Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. For those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Robbie, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at Hope City. And this is my friend Kyle uh, Chastain, who is planting Aspire Church. So we're going to be sending those guys out in the very near future. And I asked him to come up and join me today to help me out with a conversation that I think is probably um, one of the most important conversations we can have throughout the course of this series. And all week long, I was praying and begging God and pleading, God, God, give me a situation, a a circumstance, send me um, something, just send something into my life that will help me illustrate the conversation that Kyle and I are going to be having today. Because I want the purpose behind this to make sense for everybody in the room. And um, and all week long, there was nothing. I sat down on Monday to work through uh, sermon prep stuff. You know, we we plan our, our series a year in advance and so I kind of pulled what we had already planned off the shelf and I'm going through it and man we really need something to illustrate this but I just couldn't think of anything Tuesday rolled around Wednesday Um, my wife came back into town on Thursday and um, I kind of got locked up with that and I really sat down with this again yesterday and I had this big blank in my notes which was illustrate why you're trying to have this conversation what's important about this conversation and I had nothing like for a guy who loves telling stories I couldn't think of a story that would best illustrate what it was we were trying to do and then in the final hour last night God finally gave me a perfect illustration so if you're waiting on God like if you're waiting on God's timing no he will be on time it just won't be early it'll be at the very very last minute so last night God finally gave me this picture of the reason why we are having this conversation today Um, as most of you know Um, My my wife and I uh, recently adopted a 13-year-old little girl into our family. They got home on Thursday, and so to celebrate, uh, her brothers and sister wanted to take her out to um, an arcade and play video games. And so they took um, some of their Christmas money and took it with them to the arcade so that they could... Um, be one of the cool kids and spend lots of money on their sister, and they thought that'd be a lot of fun. And so last night we went to the arcade... And when we got to the arcade, we realized that they had this special going on. And the way the special worked was, um, rather than paying for each individual game, you could get an hour of unlimited games. Like they'd give you three cards that you could go around and swipe, and they'd give you an hour of unlimited games Um, And you could play as much as you wanted during that hour, which sounded amazing to my kids. It sounded amazing to me. Um, Each card comes preloaded with 200 tickets already on there for you to go to the counter and get prizes. And then you get to go play for an hour and go have a a lot of fun. And so um, kids started uh, playing different games and having fun. And it dawned on me, being the critical thinker that I am, that if we've got an hour and we've got three cards, if we all swipe as fast as we can on these ticket games, we can rack up like a ridiculously enormous number of tickets. And don't even look at me like that because I know some of you think the exact same way. Um, they've got like that big wheel that you spin that looks like the Price is Right wheel where you can get, um, if it lands in that little sliver, you can get the thousand tickets or whatever. Dude, I was spinning that sucker religiously. My kid would start a game and I'd go back over there, swipe, 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 spinning that wheel. And, and we keep trying to play all these different games to win all these tickets. And then finally, my daughter, my daughter 
won the grand prize on one of the games and won a thousand tickets. And from that point on, it was on. Like all my kids made it their life mission. We are going to win a thousand tickets. Like we're going to get this thing done. And so they weren't the heck with playing fun games anymore. They weren't even interested in playing fun games. It was like they were in Vegas and they had got a taste of winning at blackjack, right? And so say they start going around to all the ticket games and they're thinking, we got 22 minutes left on our clock. And they're swiping and they're playing and they're swiping and they're playing and they're running from thing to thing to thing. And we get up to the ticket counter and I'm not great at math, but I mean, I've kind of been doing this thing in my head where I'm generally trying to figure out about where we're at. And I'm pretty sure that over the course of the hour between the three cards, they had racked up like, like 10,000 tickets. Like we weren't looking at the little junk stuff in the glass case. We were looking at the stuffed animals on the back wall that you don't need, but you want anyway, because you, you just can, right? Um, and so we're all looking at that stuff and we hand them our cards and they're all excited and I'm all excited. And the lady scans it and she says, 200 tickets. I said, excuse me? She said, yeah, 200 tickets. No, I said, I know it came with 200 tickets. We added thousands of tickets on top of that. And she said, huh, well, hold on a second. Let me go check. And so she went to the computer and did her little deal. She came back and she said, it says you didn't win any tickets on any of the games that you played. And I said, well, I won't tell you what I said. But anyway, <laughs> needless to say, um, I, I was pretty close to losing my religion in that moment. And I was like, I know for a fact, like we've spent, particularly like the last five minutes, like we were running around the machine to machine to machine, just swiping as fast as we could, winning all these tickets. And she said, no, it says here on each game that you played, it shows me every game that you played, you got zero tickets. And I said, well, it shows you wrong. And you need to call a manager over here in Jesus' name right now. Um, <laughs> And so, so manager comes over and uh, he says, what seems to be the problem? We explained him the situation. He said, oh, he said, did they not explain this to you up front? And I said, what are you talking about? The 200 preloaded tickets, um, that's there so you don't do what you guys did. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the prize. You get 200 so that somebody doesn't stand at one machine and just try to rip off all of our prizes. Like with that special, you don't get any more tickets. You just get the 200 tickets that you started with. Now, I almost wanted to throw up, me, but my wife, who was jet lagged and tired and irritable, she just walked away, like totally walked away. And I'm not sure what words that she was saying as she walked away. I'm just pretty sure they weren't sanctified language, right? And so she walked away and it was left up to me to turn and look at my kids who are all looking at me and they've been eyeballing what big prizes they want off the back wall to then inform them, hey, there's a cost. There's a cost to doing things the way that we did it. There's a cost to being able to play unlimited games. There's a cost to having unlimited freedom over this hour. While other kids are over there counting their money every time they swipe their card, you got to play as much as you want. You got to do all this stuff. It was so much fun, but there's a cost. And that cost was something you didn't count on ahead of time. We spent a lot of time in church world um, singing the praises of and bragging about the benefits of being a new creation. In fact, that's how we kicked off this series here at Hope City. We said that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Old things meaning what? Old things meaning fear and anxiety and worry and hopelessness. Those things pass away, and those are beautiful things to pass away. 
And all things have become new. And what new things have we gotten? We've gotten um, a peace which passes all understanding. We've got a joy that steps outside of the bounds of our circumstances. We get all these benefits of being a new creation. But sometimes we forget about the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. I heard Andy Stanley say this one time, a pastor in Atlanta. He said, um, salvation is free. It costs you nothing. Following Jesus will cost you everything. And we forget about the cost sometimes. And so I asked Kyle if he would come up and share and spend a few minutes with us us, uh, to tell us a little bit more about Aspire Church and about their story. But really the reason why I wanted him to come and share, and I want you to hear the why behind the what, is because this church being planted is a picture-perfect example of someone who has counted the cost. Someone who says, I'm not just going to experience consumer Christianity. I'm not just going to be comfortable sitting in a row. I'm going to go out and do something with my life. I want to go out and do something that matters, but it's going to cost me something. I've I've had lunch and coffee with him more times than I can count now. And it's cost him. It's cost his family. It's cost his team members. There's a cost to planning a church. I know firsthand that it would be way easier for this guy to say, I'm going to send my resume out to an established church somewhere. I'm going to get me a job at a church on staff where they've got cushy benefits and I'd have a great salary and everything will be safe and comfortable. But rather he said, no, no, God's calling us to something different. And the reason why he's willing to say yes has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the new him that God has placed in him. Did you catch that? Every fiber of his being that is willing to go out and plant a church has nothing to do with his good heart and his kind nature even though he's got a good heart and a kind nature nice guy it has everything to do with the fact that God has placed something new in him that says I'm willing to sacrifice in order to experience the benefits and the blessings that God has laid before me and the real question I want you to be asking yourself as we have our conversation today is this, are you, are you willing to sacrifice whatever it costs in order for you to experience the blessings that come from following Jesus and being a new creation? Let me pray, and then me and Kyle are going to have a quick conversation. God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this place to experience the power of your presence, to hear the way that you're moving and working in the hearts and lives of other people, God, maybe even to hear the way that you're wanting to move and work in our hearts and lives. So God, I pray that over the next few moments, God, that we would be challenged by who you are. We would be challenged by who it is you're calling us to be. God, more than that, we would be challenged by the cost that was paid because of your son the sacrifice that he made on our behalf to give us the opportunity to experience new life in him. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, uh, you got a mic problem? I mean, I got a sermon ready to go. I'll just preach. I'll just throw down. It doesn't even matter to me. Thanks, buddy. You're such a servant. 
Thank you for doing what you do. Look at there, unanticipated applause for you. You didn't even expect that today. He's walking out with a big smile on his face. <laughs> hey, so uh, walk me through this because I know our story. I know uh, Hope City's story. I kind of know the background <laughs> as to why we did what we did. But walk me through uh, what was going on in your mind. Why is it that you guys made the decision to start a church in the first place? Um, what was the reasoning behind um, starting this thing called Aspire Church? Well, for me, it started years ago, um, honestly. And I don't know, have any of you ever, maybe it's just me, have any of you ever had a period in your life where you just, you really didn't know like what was coming? You you really didn't know where your life was headed? Anybody besides me? Every day of my life. Yeah, I mean, come on, we got some, Every we got day some of honest my people here and we got some people who were just like lying to me right now. <laughs> um, for me, that major time was when I was 18 years old. Now, granted, you don't have life figured out when you're 18 years right. old, okay? So if you're here, you're 18 years old, sorry, I'm going to drop some wisdom on you. You don't have it all figured out. But when I was, when I was 18 years old, uh, right after I had graduated from high school, mm-hmm. was about to go into college, I really had no solid direction in my life. I grew up in church. My grandfather was a pastor, uh, had been my pastor, and I grew up in what we call a really old school type of church. And even though I was really involved and I was a Christian, I didn't have a way of owning my faith where it was a central part of my life. And during this time where I was uh, really feeling like God started to work in my heart and in my life and started trying to get my attention. And I didn't really know what that meant. But I was talking with, and in fact, I was praying with my grandfather one day, and uh, he had been a pastor for over 50 years at this point, and um, said, he, he looked at me and he said, son, is there something that God wants you to do? And I knew when he asked me that, I knew exactly what it was, but I didn't want to admit it, because it was the very last thing in the world that I wanted to do. It was the very last direction that I wanted my life to take. But after about a week of wrestling with it, I finally admitted that God wanted, was calling me to ministry, wanted me to be a pastor in a, in a vocational sense. And the reason that I didn't want to do it is because I had a very limited view of what church was and what a pastor sure. does. You know, the funny thing about that is what I thought was a life sentence of doing something that I was never going to be happy doing that I didn't want to do yeah. turned out to give me the greatest sense of meaning and purpose of anything wow. I've done in my life. Sure. So I spent the next several years preparing to go into the ministry. I went to college. I went to grad school. And while I was in college, I had the opportunity to preach all around the state in a lot of different churches. I worked with a lot of different churches, and I worked on staff in some churches. And I started to notice some things that a lot of churches had in common. And, you know, I I was on staff at one church, and i got to be honest with you guys. There were Sundays that I didn't know if I was at a worship service or a funeral service. I mean, I I don't know if if y'all have ever been, because you don't know what that's like here. Y'all are spoiled here. I mean, we got it good here at Hope City. But it's not like that everywhere. I was in, a, in an older, more traditional church. Great people, but I knew that it paled in comparison to 
the life-giving community that Jesus left in the hands of his original disciples and apostles. And I'm seeing this in a lot of churches excuse me, across America. Well, across the state. And I'm hearing about it in a lot of churches across America. And it really started to bother me. And specifically my wife and I who got married during this time while I was on staff. And I started learning about these other churches who were out there who were getting it done. These churches that didn't look like the kind of church that I grew up in. They didn't sound the same. And they were seeing uh, people reached for Christ. They were making a difference in the world and in their communities. And by and large, these were newer churches, church plants. So we started looking in the direction of church planting. um, And I really started to feel a strong sense that God was calling me to plant and pastor a church. And it turns out that Church planting is the number one way to expand God's kingdom and the number one way that people who are not Christians become Christians. Now, before Kyle goes on, I want want to point out two things. I want to make sure you're catching this linear thread as we walk through this together. Number one, um, the calling on his life. It wasn't his idea. It was God's idea. In fact, it was something that he didn't want to do initially um, because he had just seen kind of through this lens of um, this older model, what church could become, and he didn't want that. Um, but God gave him a passion and a vision and a heart to see something different done. And so this wasn't his idea. This was God's idea. Um, and, and beyond that, um, it would require him to, uh, to do something different than he was currently doing. Here's what I want everybody in the room to take inventory of in your life. And this, this will apply to your, uh, your work life, your family life, your church life. doesn't really matter, your social life. Um, but for you, if you were to take inventory of what you're currently doing, what is it about your life right now that you know the Spirit of God is causing you to be unsettled over that you aren't doing anything about yet? There's, there's some things that come with following Jesus, and one of the things that come with following Jesus is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, and the presence of the Holy Spirit causes us to be unsettled about some things. Here's a guy who's in ministry. He, he signed up. He said, yes, I'll go do what it is you asked me to do. You guys are in church. You're doing exactly what God has asked you to do and called you to do. You're showing up. You're trying to raise your family in the ways of the Lord, but even while you're in the middle of that, there's this unsettled feeling that God wants you to do, like Jared and Megan mentioned earlier, God wants you to do something more. What is it in your life that you're unsettled about that you feel like could be different in your world or in the, the, the sphere of influence that you have with the people around you? Now, while you got those thoughts in your mind, I want to keep asking you about this. So for you, you made this decision you wanted to start this new um, church plant. I got to ask the question that I'm sure everybody in this room is asking, um, and they've probably asked a lot since they've heard about us wanting to start new churches and be a church that plants churches. Walk me through why there's a need um, to plant new churches, or or is there a need to plant new churches? I know for me, um, I, I drive down the road, and literally on every single corner, there's a church. Three quarters of them are dying, and there's nobody in the parking lot on Sunday morning. And so my question is, why do we need another church? Like, what's the, what's the reason why we're planting um, new churches? I think now more than ever, people are searching for more. People are searching for purpose and meaning. And they're searching for a path that's going to lead them there. And it's not just those people on the outside. I don't care if you're black, white, Indian, Asian, American... Hispanic, Canadian, Antarctican, whatever, whatever. I don't think there's any people in Antarctica. I don't know, not usually. That's just penguins. 
Sorry. <laughs> now, but everybody is searching for a path in life that will ultimately lead them to meaning and fulfillment. And here's the thing. We're all taking a path. But so many people take the path that culture tells us we need to take. So they look for meaning and purpose in the job. We look for it in the money. We look for it in the house. We look for it in uh, the kids and the family and, and the marriage and oftentimes in addictions when we can't find it elsewhere. And it's obvious you don't have to be a genius to, to watch television or listen to songs that play on the radio and know that these things aren't working. Yeah. If they were working, then millions of people across the United States wouldn't be on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, things like debt, divorce, depression, and anxiety would not be such a, a huge thing to a point where it's considered normal. I mean, i got to ask, what kind of society do we live in when these things are considered normal in life? And I don't believe that that should be the case. I think the church has something much bigger, and God's story is bigger than your depression it's bigger than your anxiety. It's bigger than your debt. It's bigger than your past mistakes. And we as the church are the ones responsible for sharing God's story and inviting new people, well, not new people, but all people into God's story of love and hope and reconciliation. So yes, we need new churches because no matter how many churches there are, there are more people than there are room for them in churches. And there are certainly more people who are separated from God than what we have the capacity for now. You know, something you said I just thought of, which is, is striking to me, it, because it's kind of what God's doing in our, our own um, church family right now, is, is you said um, that there's this need for purpose that people have. There's this message of hope that the church has. Yeah. Um, but just because there's a church on every corner doesn't necessarily mean that those churches are sharing that message. They're right. sharing that message of hope. Right. And so one of the things we've said here at Hope City, and I think this is probably true for you as well, is that Concord doesn't need another church. Mm -hmm. They've got plenty of churches. Concord needs a different kind of church. Yeah. Concord needs a life-giving church. Concord yeah. needs another um, hope-filled church that, that causes people to see that their life is not not mitigated and, and, and limited by their circumstances, yes. but that there's a God who's bigger than their circumstances. That's the kind of church that ultimately I think that you guys are wanting to provide and create for people Absolutely. in the Concord area. And, and for me, um, I spend a lot of time with pastors. I spend a lot of time with church leaders. And I just got to tell you, there's not a ton of that out there. <laughs> there's a lot of people who just settle in the status quo and that this is not the normal for churches. So speaking of uh, Concord, uh, why Concord? Like when you when you drop a pin on a map, why Concord, North Carolina? Which, for the record, that begs the question that I've been wondering for a long time. Why does anybody choose Concord, North Carolina? Like just in general, I heard that Concord is the greatest vacation destination in the state of North Carolina. We have rolling NASCAR. mountains. We have beautiful beaches. And somebody decided exit 49. That sounds like a good place to hang for our vacation. So like there's a lot of people that are choosing Concord. I don't. I'm not knocking anybody who was born and raised in Concord. I was born and raised in this area too. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out why anybody would choose Concord. People are showing up to Concord. Why did you guys choose Concord, North Carolina? Because you're not from Concord. I'm not from Concord. And I don't know why people choose Concord. <laughs> I mean, completely, but they do. I was hoping you'd have a better answer than that. <laughs> uh, if you live in Mecklenburg County, you know the ridiculous taxes. So if you, if you have a job in Charlotte or Mooresville or Huntersville or these places like that in, in Mecklenburg County, 
a lot of people don't want to live there because sure. number one, it's already really crowded, and number two, the taxes are outrageous from what I hear. I don't know because I live in Concord, but people <laughs> people are moving to Concord um, in huge numbers. Yeah. All you have to do is drive down the road, and you're going to see four or five huge housing developments that are being built. People are moving from the northeast. People are moving from the Midwest yeah. and from the north. Because it's cheaper to live here in the south, and they have jobs in surrounding areas. Yeah. Concord is a city of about 117,000 people. All right, as far as cities go, no, that's not, you know, it's not a huge city. It's not even as big as Charlotte. But here's the thing. About 55% of those people are not connected with a local church. Now, let's think about that. That's a little over 64,000 people who are separated from God. If you live in a city of 117,000 people, let's call it 120 just to round it up because it's going to be there in a few years. If you live in a city of 120,000 people and 64,000 of those people come down with the flu, are you going to be doing everything in your power to make sure that your family is safe and that we're trying to get rid of that flu, yes or no? Are you going to be doing everything that you can? Yeah. If, if 64,000 people come down with the flu, you better believe that Washington is going to have the CDC and the FDC and the CIA and the ABC and the HBO and every other alphabet soup down here, pharmacists and doctors yeah. doing everything that they can to contain this, what would we call it? An epidemic. Sure. It's an epidemic. Well, we don't a lot of times pay attention to the spiritual side and spiritual epidemics, but that's exactly what this is. It's a spiritual epidemic because we have people pouring into our city, many of whom have no church background, which is a, a different beast in and of itself altogether, or they've walked away from the church. People who are my age and my generation are walking away from the church in record numbers, and we, we want to change that. And there are just not enough churches who are giving people a faith that they can build their life on. I got you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, for the record, I think now that I've seen the statistics and have worked in this area for a while, I think Concord's a great choice. There's a lot of people that are moving into this area. What kind of difference do you see Aspire making in the lives of the people of Concord specifically? Um, what is your vision? What's your heart um, for this church in that area? Imagine with me for a minute. Being a part of something that God is using to heal broken marriages. Hmm. Imagine with me being a part of something that God is using to bring families together or, or, or back together hmm. for that matter. Imagine being a part of something where you use the gifts and the talents that God has put in you and has given you and the passions that God has given you to make a difference in other people's lives. We believe that church should be exactly what Robbie said a second ago, life-giving. We believe that, that Sunday should be your favorite day of the week and your kids' favorite day of the week. We believe that, that, that you shouldn't be able to wait to invite your friends and your family members and your neighbors to this cool thing that you have on Sunday. Not just because it's cool, but because it's actually making a real and honest difference in your life. We believe that church should be a place that partners with other um, organizations and even other ministries in the city. It comes along beside them and helps back them with people, with time, with finances. You know, ministries that are already knocking it out of the park, whether it's um, food or shelter or Habitat for Humanity or a number of any other ministries. 
in our city, partners with them, and joins hands with them and helps make Concord a better, more life-giving environment and city. Not that it's bad, but there are many, many people in need that our church and Hope City may not be able to directly influence or directly reach. So we want to reach people um, indirectly or, or, or tangentially, if you, you would say. Um, we just want to be able to be a church that helps people who are searching for more in life reach for more and find fulfilling life in Jesus. So let me pause for just a second um, because I want to bring this back around um, because there's huge, huge, huge implications, huge application that I want to make sure that nobody misses. But before I do that, um, I, I want to do just a quick commercial. Right. Um, and that, that commercial break is this. Talk to these people. You got an audience slam. Uh, a word from our sponsors. That's right. Talk to these people. You got a room full of people. They're a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. Lock the doors. Um, and so I want you to take just 60 seconds or less and tell people why should they want to help you start a church? I know you want to do it. I know you're passionate about it. I know you're excited about it. I know we as a church want to come alongside you and help kick this thing off the ground in Concord. Why should some of these people step up and be a, a part of this? I can answer that question with a question. Do you want to do something with your life that matters? Mm. Jesus, in Matthew 28, 19, said, go to all the world, uh, go to every nation, and make disciples. That's that's the Kyle version of it. Jesus took the work of the church, the work of the body that he created and instituted while he was here in his ministry, and he put it in our hands. Mm. He put the work of the church in your hands. The kingdom of God is in your hands And the growth of the church in this generation is in your hands much more than it's in my hands or in Robbie's hands. I cannot do this by myself. Robbie cannot lead Hope City by himself. It takes all of us working together, which is why we need you who are willing to step up and step outside of your comfort zone and potentially step outside of a church that you're comfortable with for a period of time so that people who need to hear the hope of the gospel can find fulfilling of life in Christ. I can just tell you firsthand as somebody who's only a couple years into this gig, the kind of people that he needs are hungry people. The kind of people that he yes. needs to step up to the plate are people you gotta um, be who, 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 have, who, you gotta who be are hungry. passionate and excited and have a desire and want something more for other people, want something more for their life. If you're good with status quo, um, he, he doesn't need you on his team. Like I hate to be the, the bearer of bad news. I know he would love to kind of recruit any warm body at this point. Um, but I'm just telling you, like if you're good with status quo and you're not really passionate about the mission, vision, and direction of Aspire Church, don't sign up. Don't, don't do it just because somebody's telling you to do it. Um, he, he desperately needs hungry people, and he needs a lot of hungry people. There's one of the reasons why um, I, I wanted to have him come and share um, over the course of these couple of months uh, several times is because I know that he needs a lot of people to make this thing happen. Walk me through, how many people uh, is it going to take for you guys to make this thing happen? How many people do you need? How many hungry people do you need on your launch team? Yeah, we're looking to build a team of a minimum of 75 people. Wow. And the reason for that is because there are so many areas within a church that if we want to do them and, and, and do them to the level that we are seeking to do them, then we um, need a lot of manpower behind that. Now, if, <coughs> excuse me, it's been proven again and again, guys, that the stronger a church starts, 
the more likely it's going to be to be a sustainable, life-giving church. And you all have seen that here um, when you relaunched as Hope City. Absolutely. You had a good, solid core, and it was a little bit different, but it has made the difference now in what we see here on Sunday morning versus being a church that ends up in a little storefront that nobody ever hears of and nobody is never able to make a difference. And I grew up in those kinds of churches, so I'm not knocking them in a negative way um, for being that kind of church, uh, but just for the fact that they can't. They can't do ministry on the level that we feel called to do and make the impact and make the kind of difference that we yeah, feel ultima- called to Ultimately, and I tell people this all the time, to make. Um, the goal is not a big church. Right. I, just so you guys are fully aware, I could care less. If you guys think we're all sitting around waiting on Hope City to get big or Kyle's waiting on his church to be a big church, I, I could care less about having a big church. The goal is big impact. Um, major difference. I, I say this all the time, and I don't um, say it lightly. I, I want to be a part of a church that reshapes the spiritual landscape of our city. I don't want to be yeah. a part of a church that's like just sitting that. on a corner just doing church for the sake of doing church. And I know Kyle has that exact same heart. He wants a team of people that's going to make maximum difference, maximum impact. And so to do that, they've got to start strong. They've got to have a strong team. They've got to build a strong team. And there's a lot of people that need to be on that team to make it happen. Last question I've got for you, and then I want to give uh, some, some pretty strong tie-ins and challenges to this. What's the number one reason that you hear, or I'll tell you what, top, top few reasons okay. that you hear people say, I think it's great what you're doing. I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm going to pray for you, yes. but it ain't for me. It's not my thing. The Christian answer, we'll gonna, pray for I'm you. Gonna pray and for bless you. God, we need, I mean, we, we need prayer, praise God, but you need more than just prayer. <laughs> you got to take action. So why do people say no to you? Uh, people say no, I think for a number of reasons. I don't have time is, is a big one because we live in a culture and a society that does not teach us to prioritize the important things. It teaches us to have our fingers in a little bit of everything and to keep our options open. Uh, that's one of the, the worst things about my generation is we love to keep our options open and we don't like to be tied down to things. And if you work with millennials or, or you have millennials who work for you, you know what I'm talking about. But that's a big reason. And uh, we, we have people say, well, you know, I think it's a great idea, but I don't want to leave my church. I don't want to step out because I might hurt, or I'm already involved here. I've talked to um, a few people here, and they've said, well, hey, that sounds great, but I'm already involved at Hope City, and I think that that would hurt Hope City if I left. Now, you really want to argue that point. Um, that's kind of a selfish way to look at things, yeah. but that's that's definitely a major reason that people would not or, or would step back from wanting to be a part of what we're doing. So time, time and already not wanting in, to leave, already doing something different. And already do, yeah. So uh, here's why I asked Kyle to come up and do this as part of this series. Here's why this was so important to me as, as part of this conversation that we're having together as a church. Primarily because of the answers to those, that last question, those final answers. As followers of Jesus, God has created something new in us, something fresh in us, something real in us. God said, hey, all that old stuff is gone. The new has come, and you are a new creature. You are a new creation. But all too often, we make the mistake of assuming the role that people outside the body of Christ have. We make the mistake of acting like the old creation. We make excuses 
for service to the Lord because we've got too many services we've got going on in our life to ourselves. Pay attention to this. This is for everybody in the room. If you're not planning on going with Kyle, if you don't like his bald head, if you wouldn't ever follow him or hang with him, still pay attention because this is for you this morning. This is for every single one of us. You got to know that too many of us are acting like the people outside the four walls of the church when we hear opportunities to respond as the body of Christ, as his church in the world. Because even though we say we're a new creation, we're giving lip service to the fact that we're a new creation, God hasn't transformed every part of our life in such a way that we can actually willingly say yes to whatever it is that God's calling us to, no matter the cost to our lives. Just to take a couple of those examples I don't have time. Has God not transformed your schedule enough yet to where you've got margin in your schedule to be able to say yes to the things that he presents in front of you? As a follower of Christ, man, we can't say we don't have time. If we say we don't have time, we're too busy. We've got to fix some things. God doesn't want us running rampant like the rest of the world. God wants us to have margin in our life and freedom in our life. So when he presents an opportunity to us, it may or may not be the right opportunity for us, but we certainly don't need to say we don't have time. Because we've got time, if we'll make time, because God has saved us to be something different, something new than the rest of the world. Well, I'm already plugged in at my church. No, you're just comfortable at your church. You need to hear me say from the top to the bottom at this organization, including me, this church will be just fine without me or you. For thousands of years, God's church has prevailed. And as long as Jesus tarries and doesn't come back, his church will continue to prevail, whether you or me get on board the train or not. So don't say, well, I'm, I'm just plugged in at my church, and I don't know what would happen. I don't, the, the things might fall apart if, uh, if I leave. No, things are going to be just fine if you leave. Things are going to be just fine if I leave. This thing isn't built around you, and it isn't built around me. It's built around him. And God can use anybody that he wants to use. As a new creation, you recognize your place in the kingdom. You have a function. You have a service. But you're not limited to where you can perform that, that function or that service. And I'm not saying that God's calling you to aspire. I'm not saying that God's calling you on the mission field. I'm not saying that God's calling you into full-time ministry. But if he calls, when he calls, the new creation will always have the capacity and the ability to say yes. Remember I asked you earlier to do a a kind of a self-inventory. What area of your life do you have kind of an unsettled feeling in your spirit about? Is it... Is it plausible, is it possible that God's already told you what he wanted you to do about it? You've just been making excuses for why you can't say yes. Let me read to you guys a a quick passage of scripture. It's not going to be up on the screen. I didn't give it to him ahead of time. Um, This is just for... Uh, for, for, for my sake. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, picking it up in verse 15, the scripture says this. Through him, through him being who? Jesus. Through him... Let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of lips which make confession to his name. Here's what that verse is saying. That because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, because of the way he's transformed your life and my life and called us to be something new, something fresh, something different. We no longer just talk about what he's doing. 
We act on what he's doing. And how do we act on what he's doing? We offer a sacrifice of praise. If you're, if you're a note-taking person, if you're a Twitter person, this is the part you want to make sure you hang on to. This is the nugget for the day. God may be calling you this morning. And if he hasn't called you to this in a long time, maybe the problem is not him. The problem is you. God may be calling you this morning to a sacrifice of praise. As a new creation, here's what God's calling you to do with every single part of your life, every minute of every day. Praise him, lift up his name, and make his name famous. God wants you to give glory to him through your life, through your job, through your marriage, through your finances, through your relationships, through your conversations. God says, I want all of that to officially become praise to my name. But sometimes he calls you to make a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's not easy to praise. Sometimes it's not comfortable to praise. Maybe going and starting a new church plant over in the Concord area and helping these guys out may not be what you want to do. It might not be the comfortable thing to do, but you're sitting here in your mind going, man, we could offer so much to him. We could help him so much. We could do so much. God's already aligned our hearts with that same passion and heartbeat, and God's given us this skill set, and we could support that in such an amazing way. But I've been making excuses, excuses, excuses instead of making a sacrifice of praise with my life. You can make excuses, you can have results, but you can't have both. To have the impact for the kingdom of God that ultimately he wants us to have in the world, it will require us to be willing to make a sacrifice of praise, to give fruit to the service of our lips. You say, Robbie, what do you want us to do with all that? Are you wanting us to sign up to go and help him? Is that the deal you want 75 of us to go sign? Yes, I would love for 75 of you to sign up to go and help him. But that's not it. If that's what God's calling you to do, I desperately want you to do that. On your connection card today, before you leave here, you can just write Aspire somewhere on there with some contact info, and Kyle and his team will get in touch with you. I would love for you to do that. But this is for every part of our life. Not just our church life. This is for every part of our life. What is it in your life that you're unsettled about but you're not doing anything about because it's going to require a sacrifice of praise? God wants you to experience unlimited gameplay, but it's going to require you to accept the fact that you only get 200 tickets. You're, you're just going to have to count the cost. It may not be comfortable. It may not be fun. It may be out of your way. It may jack up your schedule. It may cause things to be disassembled in your life and you have a perfectly put together assembled life. Like it may mess things up, but what it provides and the benefits that come as a result are ultimately what God wants to do in and through your life. So what is it in your life that you're unsettled about that you need to offer him a sacrifice of praise and say, yeah, I'll do that. Because just in case you're wondering, every single one of us, if we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, has an area of our life right now that that's the case. You know why? Because you're not dead and God's not done. The sanctifying process of the Spirit isn't finished in your life. So here's what that means. Every, if you go, well, this one really isn't for me. You know, I come to Hope City all the time, and I really like the sermons, but this one really didn't get me all that much then you're not paying attention. This is for everybody. What area, not is there an area, what area of your life is there an unsettled spirit that you need to say, yes, God, I'll offer a sacrifice of praise in that area. I'll step up, I'll step out, I'll do something different than status quo, than normal, because you've created a new 
me. The old me would have made excuses. The new me cares about results. I want to be a part of making a difference for your kingdom and for your glory and for the sake of the world. Let me pray for you. Kyle, thanks for being here. And God, we love you so much and we're so gracious, so grateful that you are gracious to us. We're so grateful for the fact that you have moved and worked in our lives in unprecedented ways, in powerful ways. And God, I, I hope and I, I pray that the heart of this is not we've got to do something to earn your love or earn your favor or earn your acceptance. You've already accepted us. You accepted us right where we were. Even while we were so sinners, Christ died for us. But you want something more for us. You want something better for us. You want something different for us. Not because, not because of who we are. Not because of where we are. But because of whose we are. We're called to make a difference for your sake and your name in this world. Help us to say yes. Help us to make a sacrifice of praise. To bring your name to the ends of the earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.